are preaching from a series from the book of Ephesians, which was written by Apostle Paul. And one great thing about this book is this whole book is about God's plan to reconcile all ethnic groups until one people. It's the unification of heaven and earth in the Messiah, which is God's ultimate purpose and his plan. I, my assignment is to come from the passage, which is Ephesians 1, the 15th through the 23rd. And if you guys can stand as I read this passage. And it reads, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incredibly great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him on his right hand side in heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion and over every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and pointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so last week Mary kicked us off and I want to remind you of some of the key takeaways from her sermon the first thing that she said was the word you which is Greek and she told us that that word you that Paul uses throughout Ephesians it's not meant to be singular, but plural. So when you talk about you, he's talking about you, 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 you all. She said yes, but I say you all. <laughs> and I'm gonna go incorporate this in my sermon, this language throughout 
my sermon. And Paul wanted the reason, Mary let us know that Paul wanted the readers to experience an aha moment. <laughs> and this aha moment is when you or y'all realize that you or y'all are the holy ones. This aha moment is when you and y'all realize that you are chosen and adopted ones. And this Yaha moment is when you realize that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And it's funny because when I give an assignment to preach, the first thing that I get from the Holy Spirit is a title. And from that title, I get the content of my sermon. And I remember we were in a preacher's meeting. And I was sitting beside Mary and I said to Mary, you, the Holy Spirit said that your sermon is going to confirm what he gave to me. So last week, Mary kept reference to seeing through the lens and she talked about this eye equipment. It was confirmation for what the Holy Spirit gave me to follow her to preach in this series. Because the title that the Holy Spirit had given me was Eyes Open Wide. Eyes Open Wide. <laughs> uh, I could shout right there. <laughs> I could sit down. <laughs> But I want to let you know that in the 22nd chapter of Matthews, a Pharisee who was a lawyer, he approached Jesus seeking to test him. So he asked Jesus, he said, so which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered, the first and greatest commandment was to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to tell you what the second greatest commandment is. And that was to love your neighbors as yourself. And if you read the scripture, Jesus also told the disciples that the sign to the world that they were his disciples would be their love for one another. So when Paul heard about the Ephesians and he heard about their faith in the Lord and the love, their love for all the saints, extending across boundary lines, all he could do was give thanks. Because if you have faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord, it will be manifested by love for your brothers and sisters. So Paul gave thanks. And he lifted them up in his prayers over and over again. So what Paul is doing, he places himself in this prophetic role of an intercessor 
standing at the intersection of heaven and earth, holding these people before God. What is the greatest thing to have a pastor? Standing in the gap, praying for us. So what exactly does he pray for in this passage? Well, my slide. He is praying in verse 17 for wisdom. In verse 18, he is praying that they would know the hope of their calling. He's praying to know the riches of their inheritance. And he's praying for them to better understand God's power. And I want to ask you a question. How badly do we desire to know these things? You know, I know we have the tendency to pray for like our finances and our health and our families. And there's nothing wrong with that, saints. Praying for the problems we face. And I don't want you ever to stop. But in Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, what he is saying to us, that he wants us to go deeper in our prayer lives deeper into the spiritual things that, that God has for us. This prayer that Paul wrote in the letter to the vision is a, also a prayer for you all today. Because the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So in verse 17, it reads that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So the first thing that Paul prayed was that they knew who God was. And they get this knowledge through wisdom and revelation. And wisdom is divine truth. It's truth that comes only from God. So Paul didn't want them to have man's truth. He wanted them to have God's truth. And revelation is a communication of that truth and knowledge from God to us, his children on earth. Saints, it's a supernatural experience with the Holy Spirit. So he is, in praying, he is praying that a counter takes place in their lives. Apocalypse. So you say, Teresa, what is 
an apocalypse. Well, today in modern age, and when she was talking about zombies, <laughs> right? We're talking about the end of the world or the end of time. But the original meaning and the biblical meaning that Paul was talking about is to uncover things being revealed or opened up. And it comes from this Greek word that means the pull the lid off of something to reveal a truth that you did not even know exists. It's your eyes open wide. I was reading, um, studying the Bible Project. We're all studying that. And Tim Mackey, he explains it like this. He says it's an event or something happens and a reality is uncovered or revealed that you did not have a framework for before. And afterwards, it changes how you see everything. I was thinking of that young lady that got baptized. It changes everything. Your life is viewed differently because of these events. It is the space where heaven and earth overlap in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Can you show that slide for me? Ha, there it is. Everything in your life is viewed and changed and you are able to see heaven's reality here on earth through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So Paul prayed that the Ephesians would experience an apocalypse. And why? Why did he want that? Because Paul had experienced it and it changed his life forever. Do you want a life-changing experience? <laughs> because we've heard over and over Paul's life. Mary touched on it. And the scripture tells us as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And the light was associated with apocalypse. And he fell to the floor and he heard this voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up. And I said that because Paul's former life, as Mary was saying, he viewed the Jesus movement, movement as a threat to the Israelites and to God's purpose. But once he encountered this apocalypse experience, his thoughts changed forever. God says to us in his word, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And because of this, we need an encounter with God to reveal his purpose 
in his plan for our lives. And some of us, saints, we have to be the Paul and other individuals' lives. Some of us have already experienced an apocalypse. We know who God is. But we should be falling on our knees over and over again, praying for our brothers and sisters out of the love that we have. When I was um, preparing for this sermon, I saw a vision. And my vision was I was sitting in the examination chair in the eye doctor's office. And the eye examination equipment was in front of me. And the eye doctor was sitting towards the right of me. And as the eye doctor directed me to lean forward to look through the lens, the Lord revealed to me that the lens that I was getting ready to look through represented the revelation of the word of God. And the eye doctor represented the Holy Spirit. So as I began to lean forward to press my forehead against the equipment, I looked around the room and I saw all the saints sitting in their own examination chair. And they had the same eye equipment. But some of you were squinting. And I could hear the Holy Spirit saying, stop squinting. Stop squinting. As he was adjusting the lens of the equipment to give us a more clearer vision. Because when you squint, it causes your eyes to focus together onto a single area. And it limits the number of direction that the light, the presence of God can enter since the eyelids are covering some angles. So I can hear the Holy Spirit saying to us, eyes open wide. Because throughout the Old Testament, light was associated with God's presence and favor. So why am I saying this? It's all about the knowledge that Paul was saying and the revelation of the word of God. And we must not allow the enemy to put us in places in our minds and our hearts that limits the amount of light or presence in our lives or limits the amount of light that flows through us to this dying world. We must stop squinting in the spirit and open our eyes to understand who God is and to allow his presence into all areas of our lives. So who is this God that Paul wants us to know? Who is he? Who is this person of God that he wants you and you and you to know. He is the sacrifice for everyone's sin. 
And he is the deliverer for everyone's bondage. Who is this God that Paul wants us to know? He is the strength for everyone's weakness. And he is the love for everyone's soul. So the second prayer that Paul wants them to know is God would enlighten their eyes to know the hope of their calling and to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance. The Amplified Bible says verse 18 like this, by having the eyes of your heart flooding, flooded with light, that's God's presence, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. So Paul is praying that the eyes of your understanding, that the eyes of our hearts be enlightened with the presence of God because our heart is the core and the center of our life. And when he prays that our hearts be enlightened, he is praying for spiritual awareness. He is praying that our hearts are free from ignorance and misinformation concerning the things of God. Those things that try to shame us and condemn us. I want you guys to know, <laughs> there is a spiritual world for the most part that is unseen and unknown to us. And though we cannot touch it, it is there. And though we cannot see it except God open our eyes, it is done the less there. But because God is so merciful, he's so faithful, and he's so loving, there's times that he let us enter into that space, and we can fill the spiritual world. Like in our worship, we feel it. In our prayer, we feel it. And Jesus is just saying God is a spirit, and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And your heart is free from shame and free from condemnation. If your heart is spirit-filled, then you will boldly walk in the hope of your calling. And I know, saints, Ephesians is deep. But we have to understand the prayers that Paul has for us. Because when he's talking about the hope of our calling, what is hope? Hope is a feeling of trust. And what is our calling? It's God's initiative to bring us, his people, to Christ. So we have been called to be his people by God. And do you trust in the calling that's on your life? You have to realize that God, the Father, called us to himself. He called us until salvation. 
how wonderful is that? If that's nothing to make you want to celebrate, that the, uh, the mighty God, the God of all gods, the King of kings, saw fit to call us into his glorious kingdom, into his family. Do you trust that in your life? First Peter 2 and 10 tell us, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I remember like our grandmother used to say, you have to know that you know that you know that you are saved, that you are a Christian. It's the assurance and the certainty in the salvation of God's calling on our life. And this insurance comes from knowing the unchanging character in the covenant of who God is. And John said this and Mary said it, and I'm gonna repeat it because I just think this is a scripture that should follow you throughout your whole life. Romans 8 and 38 says, the Amplified, for I am persuaded beyond doubt that you are so sure that neither death nor light, life nor angels nor principalities, nor things impending or threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. How exciting is that? But this is the last thing I want to say about just trusting in the hope of your calling. Because when you do that, you don't have to walk anywhere with your head hung down thinking you are a nobody and that nobody loves you or sees you. We must remember that our past, present, or future doesn't define who we are in our calling. And Paul prays that we know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And it's what God gives us, right? He's referring to the inheritance that was reserved for the Franks, the saints for you, for me, for y'all, right? He's referring to the heavenly rewards that God has in store for his saints, for me, for you, for y'all. Like I said, I, when I think about the inheritance, I'm a financial advisor, and I was thinking about a will. Because every will has inheritance involved. Every will has inheritance involved to be given to the beneficiaries. And the heirs inherit the riches of the will. So how are we heirs? Because if we walk with Jesus and we believe in the name 
of his son, Jesus Christ, then we are heirs, right? And we share in the riches. What is the inheritance? So what is the riches of the will? It's the promises made to Abraham. Because God told Abraham in Genesis 12 and 3, and in all the families of the earth will be blessed, which was fulfilled in the Messiah that came from Abraham's lineage. The Messiah was the one to restore blessings to all nations. So through the Messiah, we have a redemption through the blood. That's our riches. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the Holy Spirit. We have eternal life, saints. And Paul's final request is they, they may know the exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe. And I want to read this verse because I'm going to end with the power. Verse 19 and verse through 21 says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right-hand side in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all these things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. When I was read that verse, the song lyrics came to my mind, there is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Whose power? It's God's power. It's the resurrection power. And when I read that verse, um, I'm not really kidding. I'm not really a jolster or anything like that. Um, when I, but I was looking at my Amplified Bible because Victoria, she comes to Sunday school and she always reading from the Amplified Bible. And I was like, oh, I got one of those. So I went and I pulled it out and I dusted it off. And I was using that like just to read like the scripture. And when I was looking in the Bible, I had this bookmarker. It was a pamphlet. And I just kept moving the pamphlet like as I was reading dif different scriptures. So when I got to this scripture, I looked down at the pamphlet and I got a copy of the front of the pamphlet. And it says, <laughs> and this pamphlet is from 2011. <laughs> and the pamphlet said, do King like customer have the power to choose their own energy? Dominion energy solution. <laughs> so I said, um, God was showing me like, if Duquesne like customers can choose where their power comes from, <laughs> we as children of light 
we can know and choose where our power comes from, right? Where our source of energy comes. Because first these things, I say, for you are all children of light and children of day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Amen. So the energy of God is a loving, moving, breathing awareness that we live, move, and breathe in that energy. And do you know that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave and gave him victory over death and seated him on the right-hand side in heavenly place is the same power that is inside of you as children of God. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God, which give us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ha. Does that mean that we don't feel pain in our situations? No. Even Jesus felt pain when he was crucified on the cross. But he was victorious over every situation, and so are we. Saints, we have power to choose to walk worthy of our callings. We have power to choose to walk in love. We have power to choose to resist temptation. But most of all, we have power to overcome the evil one. Why? Because Jesus was exalted as the true divine human ruler of this universe. He dethroned every ruler, authority, and power and dominion. <laughs> so, what is the source of that power? It's the power that's given to you through the Holy Ghost, through the Holy Spirit. Psalm 62 and 1 said, God has spoken once, twice I heard this, that the power belongs to God. And it was the same power that hovered over the face of the waters that created things into being. And it's the same power that delivered us from unfaithfulness and pride. It's the same power that delivered us from addictions. It's the same power that keeps our minds in perfect peace over depression. And it's the same power that delivers us from loneliness, brokenness, and brokenheartedness. We are sitting at the right hand side in heavenly places. And we have to walk in the calling, the hope of our calling. We have to know our inheritance. And we have to know the power that exists in us. And in my conclusion, Jake, you can come up. You can become the y'all that Paul is praying to God for in this passage. And if you want the blessings of a child of God, you can have that today. And when I was reading this pamphlet, I turned to the inside of the pamphlet. And there was two questions. I don't know if you can see them. 
that caught my eye. And the first one was said, are there any additional fees associated with this offer? <laughs> and he said, no, there is no enrollment fees. Amen. There is no cost for you to become a child of God because the price has already been paid for you to have salvation by Jesus Christ on Calvary. It is free. It's a gift and fully paid for by Jesus Christ. And there's no penalty if you mess up. Because God is making, Jesus making intercessions for us. There's no penalty, there's no condemnation, no shame. And then the second question that caught my eye is, how do I enroll? Enrolling is easy, right? <laughs> if you want to enroll, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And I pray that you all will come to know who God is in your life. It's important to know who God is in your life. Because he loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us even when we were rebellious, even when we didn't love him back. And it's important that you know the hope of your calling. That you were called unto salvation by God himself. And it's important that you know the riches of your inheritance. Forgiveness of sin. Eternal life. And my prayer is that you better understand God's power given to you.